Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Hello, welcome to Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong. Welcome to the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. This week on Independence Day, Sam Marine. Sam Marine played in bands in his native Gainesville, Florida, and New York City before landing in Los Angeles a few years back. His brand new Big Dark City EP is Marine's third release, and on it he has perfected his particular brand of muscular country-tinged rock and roll. Call it Americana if you wish, but the genre has always overlapped the straight-ahead, cranked-amp jangle of the classic rockers. Marine knows this, and he smartly recruited Los Angeles' rising star Brian Whelan to produce Big Dark City. The result pulls no punches and takes no prisoners. While he's not on the road or gigging around town, Marine works as a bartender, and the cast of characters and late-night lifestyle of the world's second-oldest profession provides him with ample inspiration for his songwriting. The title track is a swaggering mid-tempo rocker that sounds like a lost Steve Earle classic. Dawn Come and Gone serves up a ramped-up, four-on-the-floor stomp tempo and showcases Marine's confident vocals with a bit of Sun Records-era slapback echo. Both of the first two songs are astute observation of American society's late-night outsider spaces that are often haunted by bartenders, artists, insomniacs, and musicians, and it's palpable that Marine knows them well. The remaining three tracks on Big Dark City take a page from Drive-By Trucker's best work, with narratives of hard luck situations set in any state, any year, rural America. The only complaint about Big Dark City is that it is an EP rather than a full-length release, and it's fitting that he is getting some traction in the music scene, because Marine shares a bit of whatever is in the Gainesville water that made Tom Petty's Heartbreakers one of the best bands in the world. Welcome to Independence Day, Sam Marine. Hey, Sam. Hey, how are you? Good, man. Thank you for taking out the time. I appreciate it very much. Thanks for having me. Uh, strange times in the music business. Very strange. Strange times. We just lost, you know, I hate to jump right into this, but like, I know you're from Gainesville, originally, yeah. Florida, mm-hmm. uh, and Gainesville's probably best known son, Tom Petty. Absolutely. The soundtrack to all our lives just passed away, and you've made a record very reminiscent, or an EP, your brand new EP, Big Dark City, mm-hmm. reminiscent in some ways of Tom Petty. Maybe sure. a hint, hint twangier. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's kind of me playing into the players I had at, for the record and that kind of stuff, too. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I'm not like especially a, a country artist. Right. Uh, really, I'm more of a rock artist. And yeah. Southern tendencies make people put me with country more often. Right. You know what I mean? Well, there's a blurry yeah. line. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. You know, at one point, you know, when the Stones would play uh, Sweet Virginia or mm-hmm. Dead Flowers, sure. right? It was a rock band that kind of flirted with something, and it was just, it, was, it was seemed as kind of a foray into a different style. Absolutely, yeah. But now, you know, since the late 80s, mid-80s almost, you know, there became a new style. Alt-country, no depression. Sure. Uh, Americana, like, had three names, and I still don't think it's settled on any one particular name. <laughs> yeah, um, every 10 years. But, uh, <laughs> but there's a whole bunch of bands, you know, Uncle Tupelo, the Jayhawks, Whiskey Town, and now oh, yeah. on through to Drive By Truckers, Jason Isbell, Sturgill Simpson. Mm-hmm. But guys were doing something different. It's like, Guys like Steve Earle kind of came from the countryside and mixed in rock. For sure. You know? Mm-hmm. So did you grow up with rock primarily? Both, actually. Uh, my parents, I've definitely said this in interviews before, they listened to anything from Marvin Gaye to Merle Haggard, you know? Uh, my mom's a huge Stones fan. My dad's a huge Beatles and Stones fan. It's just, you know, um, it's kind of been all over the place, you know? And uh, I'm thankful was, for that. And music was, you know? was it a big thing in your house, music? Very, very big. Very playing big, yeah. and like listening uh, or well, mostly listening. I know that my dad is musical. Like he he played drums and stuff. He messed around in high school or whatever. But uh, uh, no, always music playing. They're huge music fans. Uh, my mom's always dancing and you know that kind of thing. So. Kudos to mom. Yeah, man. Were you um, <laughs> were you always so when you decided to, like work in music mm-hmm. like as a career avocation? Were sure. they supportive of that change? Because like it's, it's funny. Like some parents are like very supportive of music until. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, their kid decides to do it, and then uh, it's like, whoa, no, 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 you can't do that. Yeah, very, very much so. They've, uh, yeah, they've been extremely supportive since day one, and and I imagine will always be. It's pretty awesome. What was the thing? Were you playing music in high school? Yeah, um, I I got my first guitar when I was super young. I was probably nine or ten or something like that. And but I don't, I didn't really gig in high school. I mostly just I had a practice space, you know. Like, okay, we always went in there and just made a bunch of noise. My brother and his bands definitely did. 
Do you remember, because <laughs> like in my band, like the guys in my high school, like there's like one or two songs mm-hmm. that you just first start, and it's always a cover, it seems like, that you start jamming on, right? And ours was Rocky Mountain Way by nice. Uh, nice. by Joe Walsh. Yeah, yeah. And Joe Walsh looms large in my world. Like it's, that's kind of my kind of guitar playing, right? Sure, sure. Like a little Walsh. bit of guitar hero-y, but really like well-arranged, good guitar tones, old guitars, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like what was your tune in your like circle of friends? You know, it's really funny. Uh, the people I grew up around, so we, we, I don't really feel like we ever tried to figure out other people's songs as much as we would just get instruments and try to come up with our own all the So time. right out of the gate. So right out of the gate. Like, that's how I taught myself how to play guitar. I, I don't even really, I don't remember playing along with songs for like the whole first year or something. I just got a guitar and I was like, oh, I, I can make noises with this. I'm sure I can make something, yeah. up, you know? So yeah, I just kind of went for that. We were always, you know, shooting from the hip or whatever. Were you creative? <laughs> I was saying, were you creative in other ways too? Were you an actor, a painter? Uh, um, did, well, I did sculptor. go to acting school. I went to Stella Adler in did New York you? City, actually. Yeah, but I didn't do anything with it. I uh, actually got into that because I was having a dry spell where I couldn't really write music for whatever reason. I was transitional period or whatever. I was like, you know, I always wanted to try acting, so I tried it, and uh, I did well, but I just didn't. Yeah, it didn't go anywhere with it. Now, when you yeah. say did well, do you mean got some roles at and had school, learned about yourself at, or at school? I learned a lot about myself. Well, and the, it was funny. Like I, I was having a trouble being artistic, and then I went in there and I did this school, this schooling, you know, for a while. And then by the time acting school was up and my classes were over, I was writing songs again. So by the time, I guess a different medium kind of reopened my mind up yeah. or whatever to, you know, to be an artist. So That's a very, I was going to yeah. say it's a curious, but I don't mean that as a pejorative. Oh, like sure. It's a yeah, curious yeah. way to work through writer's block. Yeah. I, mean, I should do that. Yeah, expensive. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's funny, you know, like, I don't know how you, it is for yeah. you, but like, I always yeah. hung out with a lot of actors. Yeah. I did a little, like in high school, because there are so many more opportunities to be involved in lots of different things. Sure. Um, you know, I did, I, I should say, I was going to say I did some acting, but really mm-hmm. what it amounts to is like, I went up and stood and pretended to act. Yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah. I had no idea what I was doing, but I liked yeah. it. And they, the funny thing is they cast me as the villain in Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, wow. Like the Russian <laughs> constable, right? Definitely, yeah, yeah. Which is weird because I'm half Lithuanian, like Russian, like that side of my family sure. is like that. I mean, I don't speak a lick of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was weird to be the bad guy mm-hmm. because, you know, there's something that kind of transfers even off off stage where it's like, oh, you know, they're not going to like hang with me because like he's right. the villain of yeah. the story, yeah, sort yeah, of, yeah. <laughs> you know. And but the funny thing is, I kind of liked it. Like I, yeah, I, I'm, yeah. an, I feel like I'm an affable human, but I liked being the bad guy. Yeah, it was a different. For, I always wanted to be. I wanted to let like my teachers and stuff to let me do a bad guy role because I can be. I, I can definitely be that guy. But I always yeah. got the nice guy role. I guess you know. Whatever, but yeah, <laughs> I always end up getting that. Yeah. Well, you you yourself are also yeah. an affable guy, so that, sure, that seems to much. make sense. That kind of character, <laughs> you know, it's not a stretch of character to do those roles. So here's yeah. a question: Who was your favorite? Like, uh, like who's your favorite villain? Movies, favorite for example, villain from or just mo- or just one movies. that you one you, that you especially like. Uh, you know, I, it's all it. A lot of the times, I feel like people when they think somebody's a villain, like I like the villains where they actually have some good to them. Like I don't oh, know, yeah. like, uh, uh, Tony Montana, maybe like from mm-hmm. Scarface or something. You know what I mean? Like this sort of walking contradiction character uh, where you want to like them because they're right. charming and there's things about them that you like. You know, there's some good in there, but they're capable of doing these you know yeah. terrible things. That's so. a very modern thing. Like yeah, that yeah. kind of started. I feel like that modern age started with like the second golden age of television with like The Sopranos. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Tony yeah. Soprano is a character that. It's not so much that you love to hate them, because that's different. I think that's simpler. This is a deeper thing, mm-hmm. where it's like, I think they finally started portraying characters as the complex human beings that we are in reality. Sure. Bad people do good things. Mm-hmm. Uh, good people do bad things. Sure. And everywhere in between. You know, and then there was a whole bunch of those archetypes. There was Tony Soprano. There was Don Draper. Uh, uh, what's his name from Breaking Bad? Uh, Walter White. Yeah. These characters that are all, you know, sometimes they do a, a bad thing for a good reason, and mm-hmm. it, it get, gets them. So well, sure. tell me, like, just let's delve into this acting for just a second. Like, mm-hmm. were you doing mostly stage stuff, or did you get to get behind the camera it or in was front of the a, camera? Um, it was, you know, uh, it, Stella Adler's a mostly... Uh, oh, yeah, she's stage, right? It's stage, yeah, it's that kind of thing, um, driven. So um, it was scene study, I can't remember a lot, there's a lot of different classes, I'm trying to remember now, it was a while ago. But uh, yeah, mostly that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? Like, you would get... 
you would get certain playbooks and stuff and you get a partner and you would have to yeah. learn the part and get together and practice it and you'd have to do it in front of the class and does Adler do like a part. full production at any point during this the time that you're there? Not I for the NYU kids, like the people who were at the college as well. You yeah. know what I mean, I just kinda went in on my own and did the yeah. you know That sounds like fun classes. It was a, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I dug it. It was really cool. I met some really good friends there too. Yeah, yeah. I start I I love actors. I, a lot of my great friends are actors and I used mm-hmm. to date actresses, but I don't do that <laughs> I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I learned my lesson. Um yeah. But I love, it's so funny, like I love actors because I feel like they're kissing cousins to musicians and there's certainly some overlap. Sure. You know, a lot of actors are musicians, a lot of musicians are actors, you know, sure. then there's musical theater, which is kind of the, the mishmash of the two. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but hanging out with them, it was funny, their parties were very different from our music parties. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, musicians <laughs> seemed a little more introverted sometimes mm-hmm. or even though some musicians play a character, Tom Waits comes to mind, sure. you know, Elton John comes to mind, Peter Gabriel, like people who kind of created a persona for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, they're more themselves in some way where actors are more interested in putting on a, a character sure. and they themselves might feel like they are not very interesting people when all that's said and done. <laughs> yeah. You know? I see that. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know, I guess the, the long and the short of it is that I've always wanted to act, but I don't want to be an actor. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah definitely. Because you know? it's like the actor, some of the actor friends I have, and I love them. I honestly do, capital L, but it's like, dude, you have to calm down. Yeah. Like you get like four of them in a room together, and it's like, yeah, I, yeah. I got to go. I, I <laughs> totally. got to go to, I got to go yeah. to the airport to calm down because yeah. it's quieter there. Right. Anyway, all right. This week's guest on Independence Day, Sam Marine. You can learn about him. Let's restart that. So this week's guest, Sam Marine, you can learn about him at sammarinemusic.com. He's got a regular band. He plays under his name, but he's a full band. So if you go to see Sam Marine more often than not, it's going to be a five-piece. And we'll hear a little bit about those guys in a little while. But first, let's hear a song. This is, you've got this brand new EP. Uh, we've picked a song so that people know if you go out and buy this record, this is what you'll hear. It'll sound just like this. Uh, so this is Sam Marine. The song is Mike Lee. We'll come back talk a little bit about that. Sam Marine, Independence Day, Mike Lee. Yeah, I knew him, some of his family Fast friends, him, his cousins, and me He never went by his given name Southeastern as the hurricane Mike Lee Mike Lee Seems like it's always too late in this town yeah, they start on tomorrow for yesterday's out Steady gonna head a little north to stay in the south Until then he just passing time for now Mike Lee If you get along with him, you get along with me
All right, Sam, thanks for being on the show. Appreciate it so very much. As always, listeners, I am Joe Armstrong. You probably know that if you've come this far. Indepday.com is where to find this. Almost 200 episodes. Can you believe it? It's far out. Damn, man. I mean, I guess you just waltzed in here today. It's just one to you. But yeah, man, man. This, has been a, this has been a ton of work, and it's a labor of love. I love yes. talking to musicians, so mm-hmm. thanks for being part of this. Let's talk about this EP a little bit. Sure. Because you've got two prior full-length records. Mm-hmm. Were both of those New York records? Yes. Okay. How long were you in New York? Um, I think like eight and a half years. It was a good, it's a good like long while. Yeah, it was a good, good little jaunt. Did you live on the island? Uh, I did. I lived in Manhattan for the first half and Brooklyn the second half. Where were you in Manhattan? Uh, I first lived way downtown on Gold Street, like Fulton and Gold. It was like uh-huh. this little like building that could around all the really nice buildings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I only lived there for about a year, and then I lived in the East Village for th- three, and then moved over to Brooklyn with everybody else because you know nobody can afford. Yeah, yeah. Manhattan. I mean, there is uh, <laughs> there's a like a alt country twangy kind of undercurrent. There is. Uh, Eric Roscoe Amble, mm-hmm. uh, who used to play in Steve Earle's band, has a studio out in the, the Brooklyn area. I know mm-hmm. he does his thing out of there. Um, sure. I used to play, God, I don't know if I did I play the Mercury Lounge. I don't remember if I, I played, played the Mercury Lounge. Um, but I played around town, um, you know, and, you know, I'd certainly bent some G strings around that town. But New York, there's so much, mm-hmm. uh, there's so much music. Oh, yeah. You know, there's so much energy. That's one thing I do miss. Like, I love Los Angeles. I've lived here for it's a very long time, time now. Mm-hmm. Love the weather like the ocean, mountains, all that business. Um, but New York has this energy. Definitely. It just kind of oscillates, this low rumble. For sure, yeah. All the time, you know? Yeah, man. So did you go straight from Gainesville to New York? I did, yeah, yeah. I, I played in a band down in Gainesville for, I guess, about four years or so, maybe almost five. And uh, yeah, I wanted to keep playing tunes more, so I moved to, moved to New York and figured I'd give it a shot there. And it was just as tough to get started there as it was here. No. That was the hard thing about New York for mm-hmm. me is that you can't have a car. Yeah. And if you're tough. in a band, it's unless you're like a harmonica player, it's it's I mean literally. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to have a band. <laughs> yeah. If you don't have a car, even if you're just playing around town. I mean, amps yeah. are, I mean, I used to like feel like a Sherpa. I'd like go down into the ACE line with like a, yeah, yeah. a guitar in my back and a soft bag, <laughs> an amp yeah. in one hand, acoustic guitar on the other hand, and then a bag of pedals slung over my shoulder yeah. like a bandolier. And I felt like I was like four hundred pounds worth of stuff. Band, yeah. It's hard, mm-hmm. don't you think? Yes. Oh, yeah. No, I, that was my least favorite part about being a musician in New York is getting to and from the gig. Because if you live in Brooklyn too, I, I guess everybody right, has, right, right. everybody has Uber now and all that stuff. Yeah. But back then, it was still for the most part yellow cabs and livery cabs and stuff, and yeah. nobody wants to go to Brooklyn if you if you're standing in Manhattan with a guitar case in your hand, the cab will, you know. Yeah, they'll pass you right by because they don't want to go over the bridge. <laughs> I rehearsed with a couple bands out in Brooklyn, but this was a long, long time back. Yeah, yeah. Um, some part of me wishes I'd stayed. Yeah, um, it definitely. Uh, there's like I said, once you figure out, like New York, when I first arrived, was like, oh my god, why? What have I done? Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, but then once I settled into it, I learned to really like it. I you know, it, it does have that energy, and everybody's moving, and and this is before September 11th, and everyone gets along pretty well. Yeah. Like you're compacted into this little area on this island. You're yeah. you're like packed in there, and I don't know. Like I never had any issues with with anybody being rude, as they say, or New York people yeah. like that. I don't I literally. I don't know. Man, that many years, very few times. You know what I mean? What I, and I found, probably had it coming if they were rude to me. Yeah. Well, they don't suffer <laughs> fools, and I learned to respect that. Yeah, you know, yeah. like people, you know, people from Nebraska. Not no banging on people from Nebraska, but like people from a rural place. You show sure. up in New York and ask me what time it is, and they go, "Hey, you know, they say something bad and tell you to get lost." Yeah. yeah, yeah. But if you throw it right back at them, yeah, like, hey, no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you right back at you. Tell me what time it is. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, it's nine thirty. You want to get a coffee? Exactly. Like oh, then dude, they exactly. Like, if you step yeah. to them a little, they yeah, respect that for sure. Anyway, yeah. enough of the bot. Enough New York talk. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you've got the CP. So is this your first California release? Yes. And you've been here how long in in uh, LA? Um, about three and a half years. Okay. Does it seem? Yeah. Is that like a long three and a half years or a short it's three and a half years? So fast. I, I dig it. I really like it here. You know, it was it was tough to get started for sure, but um. Yeah, now it kind of seems like it's starting to turn on a turn on a wheel now or whatever. So, what precipitated the move? Uh, just music, still, you know what I mean. New York um, becoming increasingly increasingly as expensive as it is, and I guess LA is getting just as bad now because of us coming over here. Probably, right. sorry guys, but um, yeah, just getting more expensive and just kind of 
uh, looking for, I got married, you know what I mean? And we were sort of just looking for a more sustainable lifestyle or something. I don't know. You know, the energy of New York is exhausting after a while. It is. Know? It yeah. is. <laughs> you have to, because the, what I learned, again, this is the last New York thing I'll tell, um, I'll try at least, yeah, yeah. is that if you fight that energy, it'll kind of destroy you. Yeah, definitely. That New York energy. Yeah, but yeah. if you buy into that energy yeah. and you invest, it's scary to open your heart to that kind of big definitely. monolithic definitely. thing yeah, that's yeah. going on. Yeah. But if you jump in and you have the courage to do that, it'll that, that energy river will like carry you along. Exactly. And it, and it stays alive in you, too. Yeah. Because, I mean, I love L.A., but if somebody... Came to me and said, "Hey, yeah, jigs up, Sam. It's time to get to go back to New York now. Like, ah, whatever, let's do it." Yeah, <laughs> yeah I would only go work. back if I had a lot of money, though. <laughs> well, exactly. That's yeah, the yeah. one thing I would prefer to have have more dough yeah, to go back. But... I, I found that like the <laughs> the standard of living that I can maintain in Los Angeles, yeah, for the for the amount of money that I make is much more comfortable. Yeah, you know, because New York, New York's like the center of Western culture and all that, that implies. Yeah. Whereas in Los Angeles, uh, tons of culture. Yeah. Right, but more diffuse, sure, like spread out, yeah, you know. And I was going to call them townies, but there's a lot more like workaday people sure, yeah. I love in LA <laughs> than there are in New York, if that makes sense, yeah, yeah, because you're all like packed into that island, anyway. Yeah, my guest sure, this man. week on Independence Day, Sam Marine, you can check him out at sammarinemusic.com, also on Facebook, facebook.com slash sammarinemusic, branded pretty well as such. Got a brand new EP called Big Dark City. Let's play a live tune. We'll come back. We'll talk about the EP. How about that? Sounds good. What's this first one you've got queued up for us? We have Freeze Em Out. Freeze Em Out. This is uh, from the new EP. Yeah. So yeah, all, this, yeah. all the songs we're going to be hearing today are from the new EP, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. So Sam Marine and his band, we'll come back talk a little bit about them. The song is Freeze Em Out on Independence Day. Sam Marine and his band playing the song Freeze Him Out. It's a rocker. Good stuff, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate Good it. Good stuff. And it's always nice to see people reproduce things live. 
you know, you go into the studio, it's like that magic environment and you can get, you know, mm-hmm. within certain financial restrictions, you can get great players and you can do this and that. Sure. Great mic pre's, great microphones, great rooms, great gear, mm-hmm. and get a good product. Polish the turd, not to say that you're a turd, but like some people go in there to polish the turd, and you <laughs> can polish it. a turd to a high sheen, is sure, what I'm saying. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. Hearing a band, obviously the proof is in the pudding. Hearing a band do it live, that's how you know the good. it's good stuff. So Thanks, kudos man. to you and the guys. Okay, let's talk about this band, this band you got. And you've been playing with them for kind of a while now, right? Uh, yeah, a few months, I guess, five, four or five months, something like that, I think, you know. And uh, so you play electric guitar primarily yep. and sing. Yeah. Uh, and so when we've got Vug, is it Arrakis? Yes. Pretty close? Yeah. Playing electric that was guitar. And you guys have a twin Telecaster attack too, which you yeah. don't see a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. And you got to check out the video because he plays this giant Roland JC120, which is this yeah, amp. Nice. I don't, you don't see a lot of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of a curious. Uh, it's cool tone though. He's like almost like an '80s throwback kind of thing. That's yeah. That's definitely what we're going for. And that's uh, <laughs> and the '80s are a big thing these days. Yeah, really. Uh, Jeff Howell on keyboards. Zach Jones on the electric bass. Sometimes you see him play with Neighborhood Bullies, who have also been on this show. Sure. And then Stamati, right? Stamati Arakis. Stamati yeah. Arakis. Oh, they're, yeah. they're brothers. Yeah, they're brothers. Why yeah, did yeah. I not make that connection just uh, now? I just figured that out. <laughs> that's funny. I didn't realize that. Oh, so many syllables. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good thing. It's always good to have brothers in a band. Definitely. Yeah. There's Kill. a simpatico there. You don't get any other way. For sure. Uh, and so rock and roll guys very very nice let's talk about the cp so why why an ep is the first question i have from you as opposed to a full-length record well uh i guess financial reasons you know first and foremost because i'm i put it out myself you know what i mean that kind yeah. of thing um and i guess it just that was my strongest material at the moment you know what i mean i probably could have thrown more songs on there and done a full length but i figured let's just put five yeah you know, five you know strong ones on there and see what happens you know and so and you're getting some accolades you know, I've noticed already, you know, the record, it's it's kind of out, but yet not out, right? It's one of those situations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of did like a soft release earlier this year, been yeah. playing a bunch of shows, and now you've got like a publicist on board, sure, and yeah, now yeah. you're doing like a like a full-on fancy release. Yeah, we fired up one more time. November, yeah. correct? Yeah, yeah. November 17th, I believe. It's very, very close. Right yeah, around yeah. the corner. Right around the corner, yeah. And so are you playing like a release gig somewhere? Yeah, there's a couple different, I don't want to say, there's a couple different places. Still in the works. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, we'll get there, you know. The man, when I released my first record, there was a place in Chicago I really, really wanted to do it because I love this venue, a great place to play. And I I had asked them, and they were like, oh, you know, probably, but get back to us. And I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, to me, that means no. Right. So I found another venue, which was fine. It ended up being great. But then that venue called me back, like literally like three days before the show. And was like, hey, you know, we can can, can do that show here if you want. And I was kind of mad. I was like, you know. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're screwing around with my thing. Yeah. And this means a big deal to me. Sure. Um, you know, so we, I didn't, I did it, the, I kept it at the place that I planned on doing it anyway. <laughs> so uh, what else was I going to ask you about this record? So, so it's an EP, five songs. One of these songs you re-recorded. You're, we'll play that in, uh, that's, that's the... Um, I'll Soon Be Gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll yeah, play yeah. the next song you're going to hear in just a few minutes. Sure, sure. So then why, why re-record it? Um, I... I never really got it exactly where I wanted it on the first record. I heard different things about it. You know what I mean? And uh, I had recently started playing it live again. You know, started yeah. playing it at the gigs and just really enjoyed it. And I was like, I mean, I might as well just knock it out one more time and see if it. And yeah. I actually, I really dig it this time. You know, it's yeah. very good. So. Talk to me about because so this time with your other records, you know, you say you're independent and self produced, but you had Brian Whelan. It's sure did. Come yeah. in and produce this EP. Mm-hmm. Did you have producers on the prior two records, or was that fully self-done? I did, yeah. A gentleman named uh, Alex Lipson, um, who lives in, in New York still, a good friend of mine. He produced both my uh, first two records and also played keys on them as well. Okay. So, yeah. And then how did you get hooked up with Brian? Through Alex, actually. The guy who did my last record. Yeah, really? I, yeah. Brian played all the pedal steel on my previous record called New Home. Okay. That I just put out myself. And, and uh, yeah, I... I wanted, um, yeah, I wanted to grab somebody to play pedal steel, and everybody knew I was a huge Dwight Yoakam fan. I have been my entire life, and they, he mentioned to me, "Well, you know, I can get the guy who's doing it for him right now if you want." And uh, I was like, "Of course, yeah, let's do it." So he, Alex, got a hold of Brian, and I ended up flying out here and then going to Dan Long's studio and uh, in Eagle Rock, and they did it. You know, and that's how we became. So you friends. already had a connection. Yeah, yeah. And then when I moved out here, we just you know continued the friendship or whatever. So yeah, yeah. Brian is good people. 
Yeah, I love that guy. He's good best. for a good friend yeah. and ex- exceedingly talented. Absolutely. And I've <laughs> I've watched him like since he was like they used to call him the kid. Yeah, yeah. I've at seen one that. point when he was playing in other people's bands, <laughs> yeah. and you know he's now he's not, he's not. What's that? He's my same age, I think. Yeah, yeah he's, no, he's not a kid anymore. Uh, I guess none of us are. Yeah, yeah. But you know he's really done well for himself, and it pleases me. You know yeah. to see him to see him. It, it's interesting because now I've watched him produce a handful of records. He did Rod's record, two records with Rod, Rod Malanson. Yeah, another good friend. in front of a good friend of ours. Yeah. Uh, also been on the show. Uh, he's done Amy, two Amy Blaschke records. Mm-hmm. Great Excellent record. work. Yeah. And I like what really impressed me about Brian was he's good at doing like the, this rootsy rock thing, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of his wheelhouse. Sure. But Amy's record is not like that. Yeah, uh, that one knocked me over too. Neither of those records recent. are like yeah, that. They, yeah. There's there's elements, but mm-hmm. it's very different. Uh, and 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 that that kind of range when you can exhibit that kind of range as a producer, I think mm-hmm. is you know, tells me something about where they're coming from musically. Sure, very mature. Absolutely, good man. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so now tell me, we kind of touched upon this. Uh, uh, Mitch Marine. Mm-hmm. Now you've had two Dwight players on yeah. various records. Mitch is another guy who's been on the show. Get a draw on that one. <laughs> and so so, but you've got a regular band. Did you take? A whole different band into the studio, and yeah. if so, why? I didn't know any of these guys yet. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, these guys have only been with me in like a few months. Or the guys that are here with you today. Yeah, you know. yeah. I had most since I've been in LA the last few years. I've mostly been like hiring session guys for gigs and that kind of stuff. A different band almost every time, which I don't super thrive in that environment. I'm yeah. like a band guy. I always have been. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, that's what I had been doing. And uh, Brian's my neighbor, so we. I told him I wanted to do a record, and I asked him if he wanted to produce, and he said, "Well, it's." You know, get together and play some songs and stuff. And then I was like, I need to have other musicians play on it. He said he would mention it to Mitch. And I was like, are you kidding? Like, yeah, yeah. Mention it to Mitch, you know? And yeah, yeah. And he did. And he said, yeah, which was incredible, you know? And uh, uh, Aaron Stern, who plays bass, I, he'd been playing bass in the live band quite a bit for okay. the, know, the last few months or whatever. So yeah, he's yeah, a good yeah. friend as well. So That's the benefit of LA. Yeah. And, and a lot of musicians I know, and much bigger names than people would think, will work mm-hmm. on a sliding scale. Yeah. Because they're working. Yeah. Right. If taking a session at a lower rate for a day will get them a gig. Yeah. A lot of times they'll take they'll take the gig. Sure. You yeah. know, so you can call up Greg Lee sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and get Greg to come down and plan a session. Now he's probably got his rate, you know, he's not yeah. gonna work with it too much, but he'll probably slide around a little bit. Like sure. if he's gonna play on a Ray Lamontaine record, he's gonna earn a little more money. If he's gonna right. play on a Joe Armstrong record, <laughs> yeah. not gonna make Ray Lamontaine <laughs> money. But that's kind of interesting we'll though, best. because yeah. the more you get into the Los Angeles community, people are working musicians here. Yeah. You know, and sure. by working, I mean capital W, and they're out there making a living at it. Yeah, man. You know, um, but then there's a lot of guys too. Because you do you still do bartending? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, there's that blurry line of people who are still working very hard on their their. I call it a passion project, but the thing that makes them go. Yeah, for sure. Right? But yeah. then you you know make a living doing a workaday yeah. thing. Yeah, I myself do that. Radio kind of yeah. serves both purposes in some weird way for me. For sure. Yeah. Anyway, so then uh, let's talk. Okay, let's let's talk a little bit more about that relationship with Brian. So once you asked him, like, "Hey, will you come produce this?" and he says yes, like, what's that process like? I mean, some people would call it pre-production, but how did it go for you in this project? On the, on this one in particular, it was really fun. Actually, we just uh, we we got two acoustic guitars and just kind of sat on his porch and played the tunes over and over again. Just arranged everything just like that. We didn't record anything or anything. We just sat down. It must have been two weeks. I don't know. It was it was it was a little while, you know, and just got it all worked out. And um, yeah, it, it turned him like we ended up doing all the live tracking in one day because yeah. of that. You know what I mean? So yeah, really it's cool. You know? There's a couple approaches. So like uh, when you when you walked in with Mitch, like Mitch hadn't heard the tunes. Yeah, yeah right. He, yeah, he didn't even listen to him. I don't think, but he could, he knew him better than we did, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's the benefit of like a, a yeah. definitely a pro player is you come in and. Uh, yeah, and there is a vibe to that. Like, obviously, you know the songs. Yeah, but to get that kind of creative spark, yeah, like off the cuff, like you want to capture that. Sure, right. Yeah, and it's always a funny line to walk with a band when you're going to go into the studio, especially if you're doing it on a budget, because it behooves you to have the songs down. Right. So when you go yeah. in, boom, song one, do a couple takes, move on. Song two, couple two three takes, boom. Song three, For et cetera, sure. et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Um. But then you kind of lose a little bit of that spark as well. Yeah. You know, so you kind of tried to walk that line, having worked out the songs with Brian and then right. bring in yeah. players who kind of didn't know. For sure. Yeah. So now, what kind of, like, how much did Brian change the, the ideas that you brought in? Really, not by much. Um, he fixed, 
I guess some timing stuff and and stuff I had here and there. We um we added some lyrics here and there and that kind of stuff. Uh, well, he asked me to do it and then I did it. Yeah. you know what I mean. And uh, yeah, I mean, really not by much. There was only a few little things, and it was mostly just getting them down. You know what yeah. I mean, that kind of thing. How complete were they once you brought him into the process? They were pretty much all the way there. Mike Lee was in a different key. Um, a couple of them were in a different key, but I, they were pretty much all the way there. You know, yeah, for the most part, yeah. That's the thing, you know, Brian, having such a rich, like, wealth of musical knowledge, Mm -hmm. you know, like, when every time I have conversations with him, it's like, oh, yeah, we want to combine the bridge from this, you know, free song to this Bachman-Turner Overdrive backbeat (laughs) to this ACDC guitar riff to this other thing, and we all know exactly what we're talking about sonically. And did you do it at Station House as well? Yep. Because I know he works a lot out of that studio. Yeah, great studio. Mark Rain's a good guy. He engineered awesome so and then how long ago was this because if you said you didn't know the guys in your current band hmm. back then and you've done how 20 shows or you said with these guys you've got in your lineup now was that a year ago almost ago? yeah uh yeah i guess about dead on really actually it's a little further than that even yeah yeah we were in the studio i guess in august september i think it was Something like that. And yeah, you said so tracking, and you said like one day of tracking? We did one day of live tracking, and then Brian and I went back for the next four days and added Oregon, and I redid some guitar parts, you know, and I think I did redid one vocal or two or something yeah. like that. So, you do live vocals? I did all the vocals live, yeah. I think I... Not looking back, I probably could have done one or two better, but I don't know. Yeah. get in, get out. That's what it sounded like that day, you know? Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, there's there's a thing where you can, like, over-perfect something, mm-hmm. you know? And especially with this genre of music, this is not yeah. Steely Dan. No, definitely You not. know? Yeah. You want there to be a little, you know, the loose but tight Yeah, thing, yeah. You know? Well, I'm a huge Replacements fan. I'm, like, a huge okay. Paul Westerberg fan and that kind of stuff, too. So I, I'm okay with stuff being a little... You know, just a little bit loose or whatever at times. Yeah. But Westerberg's an interesting guy because yeah, yeah. with him you have like kind of like the punk ethos. Yeah. But applied to a more strict songwriting tradition. Yeah. See, that's the camp I come from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For sure. I'm not a music school guy or any of that kind of stuff. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so then you know, once you talk to me about the sessions themselves, like you get in, like how many takes did you do? Um. Jeez, I feel like I was like one, the only one who needed to do multiple ones. All those guys are such good players. Uh, not very many. I mean, I, I feel like there was maybe, I don't know, no more than, I don't know, six, seven takes, something like that. I don't know. I feel like it went pretty quick, you know? Yeah. There's a benefit to yeah. doing that way, too. I mean, the first time I remember, I was a liner note junkie. I still am. Sure. Growing up, I used to read. The first thing I would get a record, and I would just pour over those things. And For sure. Back Me then too, there wasn't. Man. I'm sorry? Me too, as well. Yeah. yeah, there wasn't an internet to like connect the dots, mm-hmm. eventually. you know, We learned what we learned about the music business from like the literally the jockey at the counter at the local music store. Yeah. Uh, Rolling Stone, Spin, a mm-hmm. couple other trade rags, music magazines, Cream. Sure. Uh, and... You know, some little stuff on TV, but it was only network TV back then. Yeah. And then uh, liner notes was yeah. where we got the information. I remember reading, like, I'd pour over those things. Like, oh, and then that's when I started to connect the dots. Oh, this guy produced that record from yeah. this other artist. Oh, that's interesting. Reading it more than once, too. Yeah, and then yeah. you look for similarities. <clears throat> Many times over. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. No, you're good. Um, but when it comes to, you know, making your own record, you know, now you're kind of part of that whole scheme mm-hmm. and... You know, Brian having done his work with Dwight Yoakam, having mm-hmm. played on your first record, you know, bringing all those different influences in is such a key, key thing. Yeah. You know, so you do your two takes, you do your overdubs. Uh, that's what I was getting to is that John Mellencamp's Scarecrow record. Love that record. You look at the liner notes of that record. Yeah. He actually notes what time the song was recorded. And oh, it was d- really? done over like a couple of weeks. And you look at yeah. it like, oh, you know, this song was done. Uh, or the thing is, is, did I say Scarecrow? Did I say Scarecrow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he'll yeah. say, "Oh, this one was like you know April twenty fourth at ten oh eight p.m." And they all took place in the course of like a two week. Pretty time. cool, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. Thorough. <laughs> you know, and it's like I don't know. I have something yeah. I call the Steely Dan Sex Pistols continuum, or Steely Dan Ramones, mm-hmm. you know, continuum. Like sure, things that are over, like very very produced, are on one side. Things mm-hmm. that are extremely raw on the other side. But mm-hmm. most stuff is in the middle. Like I always say, like okay, this should be twenty percent Ramones. I like or, that. Or like 20% Steely Dan. Like, yeah, I want to yeah. make this a little more polished and I want this to be a little more raw. Right. You know, and they don't have to, they don't have to be just one or the other, but mm-hmm. it seems how it kind of works out sometimes. Yeah. Uh, how about another song? What's what's next? You've got this great <laughs> band here. Uh, what's this next tune? Um, I'm going to be sitting here. I'll soon be gone. Let's play that and one. And tell me about this tune. Um, 
This uh, it's a two. What do you want to know what it's about? Yeah, uh, it's actually from multiple point of views of, of people at a bar. Um, I've been a bartender kind of a long time, so you know, I write a lot from that from that yeah. place or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's like I guess it's the point of view of a couple different people sitting around, including the bartender, the guy on stage, people sitting at the bar. You know what I mean? Just uh, I don't know, having an interesting night. <laughs> Yeah, there are a lot of interesting nights. I would yeah. say that, uh, you know, if people say that prostitution is the world's oldest profession, I would say the bartender is the world's second oldest profession. <laughs> gotta be, man. It's gotta be. <laughs> gotta be, yeah. Uh, I'll be at the bar later tonight. Anyway, all right. Me so, too. <laughs> Sam Marine is my guest on Independence Day this week. SamMarineMusic.com is where you can learn about him. He's got a great band here. He's going to play a song from his brand new EP. The EP is called, right, Big Dark City. Uh, and if you want to hear, actually, the version of there, they played a version of Big Dark City, go to indepday.com, check out the web extra. Uh, there's a video of them playing a song up there. You're going to want to check that out as well. That's actually my favorite song out of all of these, so you guys should check that out. For now, this is Sam Marine and his band with the song All Soon Be Gone. Occupation, I work a dead end stream. I talk to everybody friendly. My clothes are pressed to need. My face has no expression. My shake is true and firm. I gladly lend a hand, but only on my terms. And don't ask me where I came from, cause I soon be gone. Where I came from Cause I'll soon be gone I'll soon be gone My mouth is bone dry My head is starting to ache And don't give me no hard time now Something's wrong Sitting here all alone all night Clenching all my jaws And don't ask me where I came from Cause I'll soon be gone Ask me where I came from Cause I'll soon be gone I'll soon be gone Armstrong, thank you for listening to Independence Day. So proud to bring you musicians from around the country and around the world. This week's guest, Sam Marine, comes to you uh, from Florida via New York, living in Los Angeles the past five or so years. Uh, he's got a great band. He's got a great EP. It's coming out next month. 
might be some copies floating around, so you might already have one, but you should go see. Whenever they figure out what the release is, you should go check that out, and I'll make sure everyone knows when that happens. As I was saying before, drop by the website, indepday.com, to hear Big Dark City, which is the title track off this brand new EP, which I love. I don't always get a chance to hear the record the whole record before I do this show. Mm-hmm. It's just There's all manner of ways that I find people for the show. Sometimes I get a chance. Sometimes I just don't have time. Sure. Uh, I like to if I can. Uh, but with yours, like I, I got a chance to live with it a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I cranked it on my way to work a handful of times. Oh, nice. Like checked out, you know, the kind of dove in. I love production. So, and I like Brian and the way he does things, the sure. producer, Brian Whelan. Me too. And listening to like <laughs> the guitar tones and why this happened this way and what, trying to figure out what was a happy accident. Mm-hmm. So, kudos, man. You guys did great work. Thank you very much. Great work, especially it, that man. title Thanks, track. Joe. I emphasize enough. Go check that out yeah. on the, the web extra track. Uh, I want to talk to you about writing. Okay. Uh, like how you go about doing what you do, especially considering what I've learned, which is that you started off writing before you learned any other people's tunes. Yep. Uh, who were the people that you looked to as writing influences when you started, even more so than now? Like, who were those first people? Hmm. Uh, you know, when I when I first started playing guitar, well, the person who made me actually want to be a guitar player would, uh, it's the song uh, out there, the Dinosaur Jr. song, you know, Jay Mascus, uh, <laughs> that big crazy, uh, you know, riff, right, that big uh, guitar solo right at the beginning of the song, that yeah. grabbed me. I had teenage neighbors, I was probably nine or 10 or something, and that grabbed, I still can't play guitar like that either, but <laughs> just yeah, grabbed me can. very, very much, you know, and uh, yeah, that's that's definitely what made me, you know, become somebody who wanted to be a guitar player a musician to begin with um but i still didn't try to to figure out dinosaur junior tunes or anything like that i I mostly just uh i listened to bands like that and i listened to alternative rock and i listened to nirvana and all the bands that were huge at that time and and loved it but yeah i guess i still didn't try to write still didn't try to play their tunes i still tried to write my own that sounded like their tunes or whatever which is I guess kind of far out looking back on it, you know? Well, everyone, you know, you start from somewhere. Like, almost no one starts off wholly original. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because there, there's there's someone that gets you into doing this kind of thing. You know, yeah, and we yeah. here we are decades on in the rock tradition. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the mores and the, the different sub-genres. I mean, new stuff kind of spots up from time to time. But sure. Like, the foundations were poured long ago mm-hmm. right and you kind of pick your branch of the tree and then you go off and do it and maybe you try to bend two of them together to make your own thing right sure sure yeah and yeah. it's always interesting for me to see which bands were like that formative band for people mm-hmm. you know because there was a handful of bands i always say that there's bands that launched a thousand ships mm-hmm. beatles of course zeppelin oh yeah uh, uh latter day like van halen i feel like launched a thousand Love ships because for the longest yeah, time yeah. there were like a million bands that sounded like van halen but sure. none of them were as good as van halen absolutely man um, yeah, yeah. And i also find it interesting that you started off right away writing yeah stuff. trying to <laughs> because you know what i used <laughs> to do man time. when i was a teenager i would sit in my room and i would play yeah. the classic rock station in chicago yeah and just play along with everything that came along like learn as much of the song yeah. as i could learn in the three minutes of the tune and then by the time i had figured it out boom on to the yeah. next tune i kind of wish i would have done that to be honest with you i i Got into well once I had heard bands like Minor Threat and like bands that are these like fast punk progressions oh, yeah, yeah. that are really easy to pick up. The Minutemen. I yeah definitely started playing along to some of that kind of stuff, but I mean just enough that I could so I could get the tune and then I would just play yeah. it by myself. You know, yeah. Yeah. But I never sang. I never sang along. I just played guitar. Yeah. The first band I was in in Gainesville, I oh, I didn't sing. I was just a guitar player in a band. Like what made you decide to start singing? Uh, mostly just because I wanted to do it again so bad. I I went through that um, brief period of time where I wasn't feeling like I could write songs, so I went to acting school and all that. And I, the previous time to that, when I had just gotten to New York, I, I just was looking for bands that would let me come play guitar in their right. band, like rhythm guitar, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And um, I didn't, I wasn't really able to find that, you know. Yeah. And then finally, yeah, something. I was like, well, if I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to, you know be in charge of this if i'm gonna yeah. make it happen so i just started singing i guess yeah. you know like, are you uh are you when it comes to writing are you a prolific writer i write yeah just just about every day really yeah yeah and i mean it, i don't keep you know 90 percent of it or something you know but uh yeah i play every day how um how studied are you at the at the process of writing hmm. like, do you sit and because it's it's interesting if you say you don't learn songs from people yeah right that means 
maybe you don't glean, you know, one chord to the four chord and the melody is the third over that and then it changes to this and then modulates yeah. to this key and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's all kind of, it's all off the cuff for you. It really is, man. Yeah, it's kind of shooting for the hit. I usually, if I'm going to write a song, I usually have a riff in my head or I'll sit down with a guitar and I'll start playing something that I dig or whatever. And then lyrics usually come pretty easy. Who that. are the writers now? as opposed to the ones that were different. Like, who, who did you pick up along the way, right? Like, uh, people, I'm sorry, like people I really appreciated their writing, like people I wanted to... Well, before, like, you know, when you're young, yeah, right? Yeah. And you start off and you mentioned Dinosaur Jr. And then you yeah. mentioned Nirvana and you mentioned like those, you know, like alternative bands. Yeah. And you were into those. But then as you progress in your career and you start like meeting other musicians and your tastes yeah. invariably... You know, you're always sure, going to love man. that formative stuff. Yeah, But yeah. then your tastes kind of change. And like, who did you like hmm. pick up along the way? Hmm... Well, um, like example for okay, here's like, I'll set you up a little bit. Yeah, uh, there's a little, there's a hint of twang in your music. Oh, sure, yeah, right. Yeah. So then, how did you? Who were the people that mixed those two things together that made you want to do the same? Oh, sure. Well, you mentioned Steve Earle earlier, and and I'm a huge Steve Earle fan. I'm a huge Dwight Yoakam fan. I mean, I I as much as I you know shy away from the country thing these days, I'm a pretty big country music fan. I've been listening yeah. to it most of my life, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, and uh, you know, I'm a huge Ryan Adams fan, not that he's country, but some of his more country driven stuff like whiskey town and that kind of yeah. stuff back in the day, those were things that saw like made me realize I could sort of, I could fuse this, those two yeah. kind of things together. You know what I mean? That kind it's of weird in a way because now, I mean, 20, 20 some years on now there's like an alternative festival. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then there's also, uh, now there's even an alternative, or there's an alt country Grammy now. Yeah. yeah. Right. So these things that yeah. didn't exist before now have kind of become its own thing. Sure. But it's weird in some ways because I feel like some ways, like Aaron Lee Tashian, mm -hmm. new guy, like expanding what sure. this can be. Yeah, yeah. Right? But I feel like there's sometimes with alt country, you can be put in a box. Sure. Almost, right? And there's like, I remember reading an article not too long ago when Americana Fest was happening about like like the authenticity wars. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because like, being yeah. authentic is like this big <laughs> thing. Like you have to have been from some holler somewhere. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. grew up without shoes. Right. But if you look yeah. back, you know, the people, you know, sure, I guess if you go back to the Carter family and you go back to Ralph Stanley and you go back to mm -hmm. that, like the country music, the hybrid rock thing that I really got into, a lot of those guys... And the people who listen to it are like white dudes from the city. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Uncle Tupelo guys were from somewhat rural southern Indiana, but they were right outside, or not Indiana, uh, Illinois, Illinois, but they yeah, were right yeah. outside of St. Louis. Yep. Uh, the Jayhawks were Minneapolis. For sure. Um, you know, Ryan Adams, I guess, was from, which he's from the, one of the Carolinas, he's right? from North Carolina originally, I think, yeah, and then, then New York just... But then they invariably, that's like they wound up moving somewhere else. Jeff yeah. Tweedy moved to Chicago, big urban sure. thing. Yeah. Um, so, but do you feel... Do you feel like the box ever when you're writing or when you're going out to do your band? Feel the Americana box yeah. thing? I I don't. I don't because I, I, I I've never joined that club. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I get pushed in with it hard and the country thing and all that. Yeah. I've never really played country, straightforward country. I have the elements like in my previous records are some pedal steel and stuff like that. But, yeah. Uh, I've never considered myself a country artist or really Americana for sure. I, I mean, you can always throw yeah. that in there, but um, I don't feel the box writing. No, no, I don't. Yeah, I, I literally, I write exactly what I feel like playing that day. Yeah. You know? Do you think have, you know? that? Because I, I, I'm definitely more rock than country. Me I always too, tell man, people yeah. like I'm like 87 percent rock. Yeah. Like six percent country and trace elements of whatever else I've ever listened <laughs> too, to and man. done my entire life. Totally. And too. rock music is in a yeah. weird place. It is. You know, there yeah. aren't a lot of, I think just recently in Billboard, like it was the first time that there were like two or three rock artists in the top 10 in years. Yeah. Years it's been since this has happened. Mm -hmm. So rock, it's still out there. You know, obviously the Rolling Stones are still selling out stadiums, but they're kind yeah. of a thing unto themselves. Sure. Um, they're, 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 they're happening, but rock isn't, isn't the big music in America anymore. Mm -hmm. It's been supplanted by something else. So where do you think, like, do you, like, I almost sometimes feel, you know, maybe it's pretentious of me to say this, but like, I feel like I'm carrying a torch yeah, for something that I love so very much. Sure. Somebody uh, said something interesting to me the other day where they were saying that rock is almost, it's becoming like a, like the blues or something. You know yeah. What I mean? like yeah. It's almost it's, like this delicacy thing or like, you know what I mean? This kind of genre that, you know, 
people yeah, aren't really talking about I never about thought about it, about it that anymore, way, but it's, yeah, it's a really yeah. good point. Like, rock has mm-hmm. almost become a subgenre. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because now we have, like, the biggest rock band going, and bands are also an antiquated thing when it comes to rock. Like, sure. now we've got uh, Foo Fighters, mm-hmm. right? Which is part of the Nirvana thing, but yet different on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly made nice with the elder statesmen like Tom Petty. You know, mm-hmm. Dave Grohl played with Petty at one point, I think. Right. Yep. I got some video I saw. Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live, yeah. that's exactly it. And... <laughs> Uh, but like they're the only real example I can think of yeah. existing like at that top tier filling stadiums yeah. playing rock music that's yeah. new. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I think you're you're yeah you must be you have to be correct on that. Yeah, like the I don't want to like classic rock is almost like classing classicing itself out of yeah out of the scene. Totally. You know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Interesting do you, place. Do you, to be. do you like carrying the torch? Because I do. I will, yeah. I'm always going to. In a way, it kind of makes it almost more special or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so. You know, and there's there's certainly a, a quixotic aspect to my personality, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> when it comes to a lot of things. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, what could be better than to just fight a, a, a war that I know I'll never win? <laughs> totally. Just doing what I love every step along the way. It gives yeah, me man. something to push against, I guess. Yeah. Sounds Sam, like I have one more me. song. We've got to get you out of here before too terribly long. What's this last tune going to be? Uh, this is a song called Don Come and Gone. And this is this is a love ballad. What is this? Uh, this is a song. It uh, has to do with bartending and playing music and all my craziness in New York. Uh, it's just uh, about working all night and uh, you know letting the sun come up before you realize it's up. <laughs> yeah, I can think. Of, it's also a recording studio thing. Yeah, yeah big I can think of a handful been of there. times because it's yeah. an envi- environment where there isn't uh, there aren't windows. Yeah, so you can go in. And maybe it's you know daylight when you came in and night when you left, which is pretty normal for a lot of people. Or sure. maybe the other way around. And yeah. <laughs> so, but real quick, I, that's a side note I meant to ask you about, like this bartending thing, because yeah. there must be such amazing fodder for songs in there that really avocation. Because there's <laughs> yeah. that that cliche, like the bartender is like the therapist, right? Yeah. And they hear everybody's problems. And exactly. It's like, they're also Especially like a, we don't want to. They're like a priest too. <laughs> like it's like a confessional. Yeah, man. You know, sure. so you hear everybody's yeah. stories, and then you just kind of change the names to protect the guilty and get on with yeah. it. Just nobody calls me father when they do it. <laughs> <laughs> Faja. Tell me about your mother. All right. Sam Marine. Uh, this is the song Dawn Come and Gone from his brand new EP. It's called Big Dark City. Check this out on Independence Day. <laughs> Still on. 
Sam, man, thank you so very much. And to thank all your you. band members, too. I know, you know, you guys are busy. You guys have got jobs just like anybody else, and you've got a lot. Even if, you know, if you're working in music like this, I, I don't get paid for this. Nobody gets paid for this kind right. of thing. Yeah. It's journalism. You know, We talk <laughs> yeah. to you about what you do. So thank you. Thank you for very carving much out time. And thank you also for bringing in a full band. Oh, yeah, man. You know, I, it's always, I, I, I extra appreciate people who are willing to drag the band in here. It's a lot more work for me, yeah. both in recording and in mixing and all that stuff and just logistics. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it, you're so much more in the way of dynamics, mm-hmm. so much more power. Sure. And, you know, that rock torch carrying thing we were talking about just a Absolutely. few minutes ago, like, as far as I'm concerned, there is nothing better in the world than an electric guitar and a big G chord through a Vox oh, AC30 turned yeah. up to six. Absolutely. It doesn't get better than that, man. <laughs> yeah. Do you think, last question, do you think there's a like a, a place for music in the future? Will it become like the blues and become like a thing, a, a separate thing? For rock music, I mean, it's hard to say if that would be good or bad at this point, but I, in yeah. a way, I think it would be good, you know? I think it yeah. would be a good thing for it to become that, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think guess there the, is a place. The yeah. tagline for yeah. a long time has been, well, A, it's better to burn out than fade away, but B... Like rock and roll will never die. Absolutely, that's man. what we've been saying all the way along. And as long as I tell people, like, look, as long as there's blood veining, you know, as long as there's blood coursing through my veins, yeah, rock and roll's alive, man. Absolutely. So, Sam, man, thanks again to you and your band. I appreciate it so much. Make sure you keep us uh, abreast of when that release show is going to be. We'll let people know. We'll do for sure. Uh, Sam Marine Music is where you can learn about Sam and his band. Uh, <laughs> check out this new EP coming out in November and go see him play a show. He's playing around all the time. So thanks to Sam Marine and his band, also to the Independence Day staff, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. Tony Tone Loke, Mr. Autumn Man Piscotti manages the Independence Day website. Thanks, Loke. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. Check that band out as well. As always, for Independence Day, I'm Joe Armstrong. Miss you, Tom Petty. Be good to one another. <laughs>